welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise podcast. Now we're going to talk about the uh, the Cubs and a little bit about the Bears with our old friend Tom Loxus. Uh, so, Tom, what do you call your what, what are you going to call your podcast? Are you going to keep it the same name? Yeah, because um, originally it was when I did Bears and Beat Guys, it was you know just talking about whatever. And I used to um, actually had some pretty decent you know football guests as well as baseball but uh, yeah you know this past year i did just the cubs but you know like we were just saying right now the cubs are a pretty lame yeah you know do to talk about right they're not yeah they're not exciting to talk about the bears yeah. or the you know everybody wants to talk about that and yeah so i'll just you know have on whoever i whoever i can get but uh, yeah i still keep um like a tight rotation of guys that i like to have on all the time like you or or Evan Altman, and you know, I like to mix it up a little bit. Oh, so. I love to be yeah, beers and beers. I love to be part of a tight rotation. Will Greg Gabriel <laughs> be coming on your podcast? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, it's your fault. I forgot I muted him. And Although, wait, he's probably going to need the money because he's going to lose his pension if the beer train feels. I don't know if you saw that, but he put up his pension for the uh, for the wager. He's just the dumbest. Yeah, but I had forgot okay, I yeah. muted him, and you pointed at you messaged me like, "Hey, did you see what your buddy's up to?" I'm like, "What?" And he's great. I had to go find him, and then I had to unmute him, and then I was like, "Oh God!" And I it lasted about two days, and I just muted him again. It's just it's painful. <laughs> it's fun that he gets so mad, but he also never stops. It's just relentless. He'll just like, uh, who is it? He's been he picked a big fight with Brad Spiegelberger from Pro Football Focus, and mm-hmm, yeah, it's like it's he literally retweeted back to him like 20 times, and you're like, "All right, that's enough." Just go away, old man. Go down to the pool and see if any of the kids can jump out of it onto the <laughs> onto the deck, and then you could get the Bears to draft them in the third round, like you did. Uh, what was that guy's name? Jerron Phillips. Was that his name? I I cannot remember his name, but I totally remember the video. Well, I can always find the video. It's always just like one yeah. click away. It's just like you just type in like Bears uh, jump out of pool, <laughs> and you either get like an actual bear. Or you get this guy, and both equally impressive, and both equally important in football that you could do that. Yeah, yeah. God knows how many times you've seen the the players on the Chiefs do that. <laughs> the um, yeah. The other thing that's funny though about Greg is that uh, you know Old Takes has really gotten a lot of run with him lately. <laughs> I don't know if you can see, but they're they're really giving it to him. So. I'm sure. I'm sure they'll be lining up if um, you know if the trade goes down. We'll see yeah. soon. Well, I, we I want to talk to you about that. We'll save that for the for the right. end. Uh, we'll start with the uh, with the very exciting Cubs. Um, do they? Do you think Jed knows the spring training starts in eight days? Do you think? Are they going to like yeah, catch him is... by alerts? Going to go off on his phone? He's going to be like, "Oh shit! <laughs> is it? It's Valentine's Day already? We get, don't we have practice today? Yeah, you do, Jed." Yeah, the bus left already, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Nothing more exciting than video of them loading boxes onto a allied truck. <laughs> oh, <laughs> springs right around the corner. And then it, it hits different when it's like 45 degrees and sunny out. It's like, yeah, spring's kind of here. So, yeah. Congrats. Um, yeah, oh, before we get to the talk about the players, though, I mean, the most important thing that happened this week is that. Uh, People were all uh, upset that Marquis is going to do uh, the bulk of the spring training games remotely. I mean, come on, that's that's just not right. I mean, these how can you how can you half-ass these super important pretend baseball games? 
do you think we would if they hadn't told us do you think we would have noticed no probably no no probably not and what it sounds like then the, the to me the bad news wasn't that they were going to do the games remotely because i don't care i mean they'll still have, have cameras there and they'll just have a guy or two watching it on tv and telling us what they think happened is that we're going to get more alex cohen and zach zaidman i'm really mm. excited about that i have a feeling those two will actually be there i think yeah. the remote thing is for is more for like i think it's so boot can do more games and they can just oh god forbid i'm sure cole wright will do some which will just it'll, the nickname it'll be three hours of nicknames um but yeah, it was funny that there were people who were like, Crawley got all upset, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> I said, you're not really watching these, are you? I mean, it's nice to have it on. And you look over and you see, hey, yeah. it's sunny. And, uh, oh, look at the look at uh, Pete Armstrong's weird haircut. You know, but otherwise, it's just it's spring training. It's just yeah, just kind of a thing. I'm... Um, I was always of a mind that, you know, they, were, they made a big deal of the fact that we're going to show every game. I was like, well, what else are you going to show? You know, your network, that's all you got. Of course you're going to show every game. But um, I would try to think about how many I actually watch. I usually watch the I'm, first one. You know, yeah, because hey, I, mean, I remember. And then, like I said, yeah. I'll just, I'll have it on, and I'll look over, and I'll be like, oh, God, let's see. Whoa, who's, who's who just got hurt? <laughs> Why Why are they carrying uh, Dansby off? On, is that a stretcher? Oh, God, no. Season's over, and it's March 12th. Yeah, um, I remember as a kid, you'd always get so excited about the first game, you know, and, and it was a big deal. It was always on you know, GN, and by the fifth inning, you'd be like, who the fuck are these yeah, guys? who's this? I'm so, bored. Yeah. <laughs> and then they would only show, like, three or four, and then it was, like, a big deal there for a while when they would go to Vegas. You'd get you get two games in a weekend. Um, but yeah, and then a couple, a few years ago, it's been more than a few years ago now, they started making Len do all the games on uh, like Cubs.com. <laughs> I was like, man, you got a terrible contract. Why are they making, why are you having to do all these? You had Mick Gillespie doing all the spring training games on the website. Wow. Um, so anyway, yeah, I mentioned that, you know, hopefully Jed remembers that uh, spring training is coming and that it might be time to actually round out his, uh, he doesn't have a lineup yet. I mean, he does technically they could, if there was a game tomorrow, they could field the team, uh, but it wouldn't be very good. Uh, no, I mean, it's. It's funny. I mean, I definitely think he's just, you know, I think he feels like balls in his court, and I feel like he's waiting, um, you know, Bellinger out. But I think in, in some ways he knows Bellinger really wants to come back. You know, everybody wants him back here, but at the same time, I, I'm I'm sure he's not going to go for any $200 million plus deal. So, yeah, as long as Chapman is still on the market, I think that's his, that's his play. You know what I mean? And it's, at the same time, yeah. It's funny though because they're both Oris clients. Yeah, that's so the, how that's it's kind of hard yeah. to like <laughs> have the stare down with Scott when you're yeah. talking about two of his clients. You know, if I can't yeah. get Cody, I'm just gonna have to get the uh, the guy over here on the other side of your table. That'll show you. 
I have to overpay yeah, the guy who's not as good. If I if you don't if I don't pay the guy who's better that I really want, but it'll be fine. But we we both know we love to have Cody back, but we both know that he does have a pretty low flow. You know what I mean? Like there there could be some some problems with him. I'm I'm hoping he's past that and he's going to be you know he's going to be the player that we mostly saw last year. But yeah, signing him to a long you know big deal would give me anxiety if that was if that was my job you know uh, how do you feel about it wait so you're saying that a guy who had two of the worst seasons in baseball history <laughs> might could possibly do that again yeah yeah it is it is a possibility i tried to comfort myself with um i went and looked at his i broke down his i broke down i went to uh <laughs> Baseball savant <laughs> looked at his number. You watch a film? <laughs> Try, yeah, I did. I made like Adam. You watch Hogue, the all twenty-two? Like Adam Hogue, my, One of my favorite things Hogue does on his on the podcast with Adam Johnson is he'll talk with straight face about grading the players himself off the tape. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like Adam, Wait, how, number one, why are you doing that? Number two, you, it's worthless, right? Like you, you're grading them on what you think their assignment was. You don't know exactly what they were supposed to do, so. Right. You might give a guy credit for doing something great when he blocked the wrong guy, and you might <laughs> dra- you might grade a guy down when he wasn't even supposed to block that guy. Anyway, yeah, I, I broke down the tape with of Cody, frame by frame. Um, so one of the things that we had talked about it on a podcast that there's kind of league wide concern that even though Cody had a really productive season, he he did not hit the ball very hard, and he did not hit the ball in the air as. He had the ball in the air, but his exit, uh, his launch angle is low for a purported power header. So I went back and I looked, and if you compared it to the two seasons, his last two years with the Dodgers, where he was so bad, um, it was he had hit the ball harder and he had hit the ball in the air more often in those two really unproductive seasons. I thought, oh, that's not a good sign. But if you went back to his MVP season, it was more in line with what he did last year. Now he never even he does not have elite. He won a Rookie of the Year and a um, MVP with an average like exit velocity of ninety. Really? Wow. Um, and it's funny because in the same column I wrote about Matt Chapman, who it, they're they're the exact opposite from last year. Chapman, his baseball savant numbers, you know, red is good. It's bleeding off the page. Everything is red. High exit velocity, high launch angle, high contact rate, terrible, terrible actual production. 17 homers, 50 RBIs, hit like 230 with, you know. Cody, everything's blue, like, and, but he hit 307 with like a 360 on base and a 500. It's like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Except for the fact that it, it, it Cody over his career is he his exit velocity last year it was down it was like eighty eight but it's only down from like ninety point five in his best seasons or his exit velocity his launch angle is in that was like seventeen point nine in his MVP season it's like nineteen so I was I was like you know that's not I feel better about this now like he's been super productive with similar numbers. And in fact, it kind of looked like in the two years he struggled, he was overcompensating. He was trying to hit the ball harder. He was trying to hit the ball in the air more and wasn't succeeding at it. And he kind of got back to more of what he had. Um, and then another thing I wondered about that I really couldn't measure was, is his exit velocity down a little bit 
because he 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 adopted such a drastic two strike approach last year. You know, no leg mm-hmm. kick. Try to hit the ball the other way. Just don't strike out. He cut his strikeouts way down. And I just decided with no evidence that yes, that's what it was. And so I'm I I wrote up a contract offer and I sent it to Boris on behalf of the Cubs. Um, so, Get this thing moving. Yeah, six years, one hundred fifty million dollars, twenty five million dollars a year. It's only four million dollars mm-hmm. more than they're paying the, the the right fielder and the left fielder. He's younger, he's better, and uh, I ex- I expect we'll see Cody in a couple of days in camp, holding the contract and showing it to Jed and just like I didn't offer you that. It's like no, but this other asshole did, and I signed it, so I'm yours. You'd be like, oh, you had to sit you who did that? Dolan did that. <laughs> Fine, I guess we'll have to honor it. Um, yeah, I could, I could. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna say they're gonna probably meet like around 185, maybe, you know, with some, some heavy incentives. Yeah, and I, I feel an, like it'll have a couple. Year. Yeah, I feel like it'll have at least one, maybe two option years on the end, mm-hmm. so that then the total is over 200 million dollars. Correct. Yeah, even that, that's the, that even though feels the Cubs right. have no intention of ever actually paying <laughs> no. him that. When Boris goes out, he's like, "Well, we got him as two. He's a two hundred million dollar player. We got him two hundred million dollars." Right. Um, and I've kind of lulled myself into this false sense of, "Well, of course they're just gonna they'll do it eventually." And then I'm gonna wake up someday, and he's going to have signed with the Phillies, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I'm gonna be like, "Oh yeah. God, they're fucked." Yeah. And then you're gonna have to deal with that. Um, Which. I really liked him in Oakland, so you know I thought he was he thought he was terrible last year. But you know, I heard he was banged up, and who knows? Maybe he just uh, you know had one really bad year. But yeah, regardless, I think uh, yeah I think it'll be Bellinger. But at the same time, time is running out, like you said. I mean, do you think Chapman's going to be happy being Nick Madrigal's backup though? Oh boy. <laughs> Uh, Matt, sit this one out. Little Nick's Nick's gonna play today. He played yesterday too. Yeah, he probably play tomorrow. Look at him; he's gritty. He's a gutty little guy. I know he's a terrible base runner, and he has to run halfway to first to throw the ball over there. And he's walked six times a season. But we're just gonna go with him because he reminds me of me. Um, I. That's one of my hopes is that my. Um, I, th- I feel like there were, there were certain guys I was more like, oh, God, I hope they don't. Ha-. I was, there were Cubs I was actually rooting against in situations where it wasn't really going to hurt the Cubs. Like, if the Cubs were up by five runs, I didn't want to see Madrigal get a hit. Like, just strike out or ground out to second because I don't want Ross to have an excuse to play you again tomorrow. I feel like I won't have to worry about that now with a real manager. Like, council will Isn't understand, like, okay, that didn't mean anything or – well, that's right. great. That'll help his confidence when he comes off the bench, you know. But when, that doesn't mean I'm going to start him tomorrow, because I do. I didn't worry about that. Um, totally, totally. Yeah, he's just so gullible that way, and it's just like, my gosh, it just reminded me how much better I feel about this season just with Council alone. I mean, because yeah, the lineups are going to be legit. <laughs> I mean, if, if he bats in half, you know, third and on uh, opening day, then I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna, you know, have a problem with that. But other than that, I have a lot of faith that he'll uh, he'll mix it up and he'll play play away. Right people. Yeah, I mean the the hope would be that if if Hap is batting third, it's because he's hitting like a third hitter. Hmm. He earned that spot because that's what he didn't do last year. He 
Ross would talk about, well, he likes to hit third. He wants to be a third hitter. Well, then he should hit like it, or you shouldn't bat him there. Because yeah. it's not helping anybody. <clears throat> but he would just keep putting him there. Let him, he had him, remember he had him lead off for like three days, and then that was it. It worked. Yeah. And then he's like, oh, back to third. Like, what? What are we doing? Yeah. He was like, here's your, here's your lead off, assholes. And then he was done with that. Do you think that uh, the Jed, though, is like, well, I mean, we'd love to have Cody back, but, you know, I mean, we got Michael Bush and we got Pete Armstrong, and I don't know where we could play Cody. Hmm. There's no no place for him. Because I'm, sure I'm sure there are fans who are like that. Well, can we give him six years? We got our first baseman in our center field. Where is he going to play? <laughs> no, there you're wrong. Everybody on Cubs Twitter wants Cody, though. Risks, risks and all. That is true. And I'm, I agree yeah. with them. It, the team, the, every player wants him back. It's, every player, like yeah. not every, but it, it, unsolicited at the Cub convention, they were all talking about how they needed to get Cody back. Yeah. Dansby basically, I'm sure as he didn't show up on Saturday with a you know re-signed Cody t-shirt, he was basically demanding it, which he should. He was, he was their best player last year. Oh, yeah. No question. He was really good last year. What's uh, what do you think? He, why do you think he's still on the market? Do you think Boris is just asking for too much? Because we all thought that somebody was going to come along and give him too much money, and it didn't happen. Yeah, I think the thing that worked in the Cubs' favor, I think the Yankees would have given him too much money, but they traded for Juan Soto. Yeah, that really helped. And um, they're like, okay, we're good. We don't need to do that. Um, mm-hmm. And then they had he. He apparently really wants to. This seems like a small thing, but it becomes a bigger thing. He wants to um, play for a team that trains in Arizona because that's where he lives in the offseason. He loved it last year. Obviously, the Dodgers did. But last year with the Cubs, as soon as he signed with them, he was able to start working out at the facility the whole winter. And he still wants to do that. Well, the Yankees obviously don't, but there's, you know, he. I'm sure he'd make an exception for them. A, they're the Yankees. B, that's where his dad played. He, like, grew up in the Yankee clubhouse mm-hmm. so the yankees were a serious threat as long as the money was close you know the cubs were really going to have to pony up i think the cubs were gonna have to outbid the yankees if the yankees got in it now i think the cubs are of the feeling that as long as they're close they're going to get him which is a dangerous <laughs> stance to take when he's such a huge part of your team mm-hmm. from the year before um the other teams that seem to make sense don't seem to be spending like the Mariners on paper made sense um the Giants still do I think the and the Giants I think would pay him but that's a terrible park for him like Mm. his revamped actually getting back to his old swing where he's got kind of the um he still pulls the ball a lot but when he does go the other way he really goes to the power alley and left center which at Wrigley is a great place for a left-handed hitter to hit the ball and pack Bell, Oracle, whatever it's called now, that's an out every time. Um, so I do yeah. think I think that just the number of teams willing to go that many years is so small that you know they're. If if I'm Boris, I'm probably waiting for spring training now to start, and maybe some really good team somebody falls down and goes boom in early in spring training, and they're like, oh shit, we need a bat. And then they come calling for Cody. Um, and I don't know. We don't know if the Cubs have made an offer. You know, they've actually made a real offer. Um, 
And we also don't know if there's, like, Boris has told him, if you'll do this, he'll sign. And Jed just hasn't picked up the phone. Not willing to pay whatever that is yet. Hoping that it'll come down. And we really, we really don't know if it's, if there's, like, six years, 180, and the deal's done. All Jed has to do is call and tell Scott, yes, we'll do it, and it's over. Or if they've ever gotten to that part where they're still going to have to sit down and, like, figure it out. I don't know. Um, I mean, if they don't sign him, now you're looking at uh, you're looking at Mike Tuckman playing center field on opening day, probably, with Pete yeah. at least doing a little apprenticeship in Des Moines. Yeah, who is – I can't remember. Is it, Who is the uh... – uh, the Giants. Who did they sign for center field? I forgot his name. Lee? Oh, it's um. His last name is Lee. He's the uh, he's grandson of the wind. His dad was a superstar in Korea, whose name was Son of the Wind, yeah. and so he's grandson of the wind. Yeah. The last thought I did with Zahada Sharma, we talked about that because the Jung Cubs Hoon had. Lee. Yeah, the Cubs had you know made a made a run, run at him, and it was you know, surprising, but at the same time, I felt like if they would have landed him, they probably would be out on Bellinger. Yeah. You know, they, that would have taken them out on him too. And that really seemed like such a weird, like, you know, you'd have to pay him, I think he got six years from the Giants, at least five. Yeah. And he's Pete. Well, you don't need two of those. I mean, would, I yeah. would them you signing know. him have been a clue that they looked at, you know, everybody downplayed the, you know, the 19 hitless at bats at the end of the season went, yeah, big deal. I mean, Ross jacked him around with his playing time and had him trying to bunt half the time, and let's not worry about any of that. Um, I mean, it's one thing. If, if he signed Cody, you can't – that's the great thing about Cody is that he doesn't have to block anybody. He's, he comes in, he's your center fielder. When Pete's ready, he's your first baseman. If Michael Bush is so somehow wonderful um, – you know, you can use the DH, and you could find ways to get everybody at bats. But if you signed a guy like Jung Lee, who's going to be his his only value is to be a defense first, fast, hit the ball on the ground center fielder. You know, mm. you can't. You're going to play with him and Pete. It doesn't make any sense. But since you've got your right and left fielder are both signed for the next three years, mm-hmm. so yeah, I believe they were in on it. It was a kind of an odd um, thing, unless their goal was knowing how much the Giants wanted him was to get in there and make the Giants pay up so the Giants would have less ammo to go after Cody. Yeah, it's possible. But I don't know if, if Jed plays that kind of 4D chess. or <laughs> I mean, Carter would be sitting there eating the pieces. So I don't know if that would work. Um, and it's also funny how many people are just like, they looked at Michael Bush's like prospect ranking and like, okay, we're set. Well, that's fixed. It's like, well, I mean, yeah, it would be nice if he's if he can hit, but his um, it, it his numbers last year were very nervous. His um, numbers at Reno were almost the same as Matt's at Iowa, and his numbers with the Dodgers were almost identical to Matt's with the Cubs. Um, scouts have him as a much better player than Matt. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I did, you know, at the difference, I would say that I like more is that his strikeouts come via, you know, being overly patient, where Mervis was just not making contact. Yeah, not being able to hit a fastball. That was Mervis's right. problem. Yeah. Mervis, yeah, your eyes could tell you that he was overmatched. Yeah. 
Yeah, he's late on fastballs, so then when he thought he was getting a fastball, he had to start early, which meant if it was a breaking pitch, he couldn't react to it, and he was screwed. He was yeah. basically having to decide to swing before the pitch, and you can't yeah, hit in the big yeah. leagues if you if you have to commit one way or the other. You're you're always in between, and you're screwed. Well, I did I did like the deal anyway, just because I've always said like you know if you've got a surplus of some you know level of prospects, you know, and, and pitching apparently is is a good thing for the Cubs right now. And you needed a young hitter. I always said, hey, why can't you just make that kind of trade? Like, you remember, like, when the Cubs had all the shortstops and the Mets had all the pitching, and everybody was always waiting for the Mets and Cubs to come together on a trade. That would have been great. Yeah. There was always the the Javi bias for uh, Jacob deGrom rumor. The thing popped its head up a million times. And Mm -hmm. it would have been great and terrible for both teams. When deGrom was good he was great and he's hurt all the time and when javi is good he's really good and then he's not and of course the mets got their dose of javi anyway yeah and he actually played really well for them he got off to a bad yeah. start then he they did that weird thing where they were like booing the craft at what they were doing they were making fun of the mets fans for being mean to them they got caught they apologized and then javi went nuts for the rest of the season that's how he got his big contract with the tigers uh, miss Hobby. Miss Good Hobby. I'd bring him back. I'd let him play. I'd let Hobby play third for me. I'd make the Tigers eat a lot yeah. of money, but I'd take him back in a second. For sure. I wouldn't be surprised if he would at least be you know, rejuvenated a little bit to come back here. Yeah. That's, that seems like a terrible park for him. Yeah. It's big in all the wrong places, and it's not like he's going to cut down his swing and take advantage of the space out there. He's just going to try to hit it harder. <laughs> I can get over that wall. Well, maybe don't try every time. <laughs> but that's not Javi. That's, Javi loves to swing from his ass, see what happens. Yeah, um, yeah it's, and I wonder, I mean, realistically, if they don't sign Bellinger, then... I mean, they could pivot to Matt Chapman to be shorter. Uh, but then you could block the great Matt Shaw, who nobody's actually seen play. But we can't block Matt Shaw. Um, yeah, again, I'm not worried about that because, like you said, if you know, if, if Bush can hit and Shaw can hit and Chapman's there, they'll find Matt yeah. for him. You know what I mean? Like, they've got the DH and it would work itself out. Well, I really thought, they'd yeah, bring, I thought they would bring Jamer back. Um, and he didn't sign for that much. No, yeah, and he signed quickly too. Yeah. So apparently the Cubs did not have any interest in him. No, but, they did. but uh, yeah, I mean, if the season opens tomorrow, Madrigal probably is the opening day. Yeah. I mean, if it if it start if it started tomorrow, it would really surprise everybody. But I would guess Pete goes to Iowa mm-hmm. at least for a few weeks to get some at bats. Talkman plays center. <laughs> Bush and Wisdom. Bush Bush is playing first with... There's probably... Wisdom's getting way too many at-bats because he's playing some at first with Bush and he's playing some at third with Madrigal. Yeah. Ugh, this is not good. And then you already know. I mean, you're going to get... Hopefully you get... Um, you get more offense out of Miguel Amaya because you're going to get less out of Jan Gomes. I mean, you just are. He's 50. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I'd love to see. I'd love to see Amaya come and, and just take that job. Yeah, I mean, that, ideally, he it flips, right? He right. Jan plays the same amount of games Miguel played last year, and Miguel plays the um, number of games that Jan did. Jan's a really good guy to have around, but absolutely, it's not a great sign if midseason he's still the primary catcher. Yeah, agreed. Um, he did he did wonders for the staff. I mean. You look at the difference between him and Wilson. My goodness, you know that was like very obvious. You know what I missed though? I mean, I missed how come Yanda? Like, couldn't he do this a couple times a game in a big, like a big two-strike pitch? Just jump out of your stance and fake a throw, so the ump can't see the pitch. I really missed that. That was that's the Wilson special. Yeah, memories. Yeah. It's still though the way they completely mishandled Wilson. It's unbelievable. Like they had no intention of bringing him back, and they had two trade deadlines to trade him. Didn't trade him neither one. Just genius. I'll just never understand all the trades they did not make. No, I was banging the drum. I was a really early adopter on trading Wilson Contreras. I got the I got the receipts. Well, I mean, once you hired a manager who didn't like him, you might as yeah. well move on. I mean. You'll never convince me that a lot of it wasn't the fact that Wilson showed up in 2016 and took a bunch of Ross's at bats. Mm-hmm. You know, I think mm-hmm. Ross always thought, oh, this, you know, this crazy asshole. <laughs> I don't like him. <laughs> uh. I don't think John Lackey liked him that either. Yeah, that's if Lackey doesn't like you, you're doing something right. I think. Yeah, exactly. Um. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, hopefully, you know, Saya was so good the last two months. Yes. That hopefully that's Saya now. Um, yeah, and I, I I will be the first to say I was very hard on Saya in the first half of the year, and I was his biggest fan, and you know, when he was playing the way he did, because that is that's the guy you paid. Yeah. You know, that's the guy. That's what we were supposed to get. Well, that I forget who said it at the Cup convention though, but it was one of the players who said Saya's our most talented player, and I. I'm sure they're right. I mean, um, you know, he's just, he's a really good baseball player. So hopefully we get, you know, get to see yeah. that for a full season. I last year, you know, he he didn't he pull his old didn't he pull his oblique in batting practice before the first spring game? Yeah, and I think the concern at the time was everybody was saying like how jacked he looked, and they were like, oh, he overdid it. That yeah, really his, hurt his the Cubs because it, it cost him his spot on the. World Baseball, he, he didn't play on Jap- the Japanese team at the World Baseball Classic, where he would have just wooed Shohei for a month. Mm. Shohei would have turned down the Dodgers' offer and said, I'm going to play for the Cubs. Well, maybe not. That probably wouldn't happen. Yeah. Um, and we have, we have, uh, we have Ian Happ doing everything kind of good, but nothing really well in left field, so that's fun. Um, still have that. And, um, they got Nico and Dansby. So you have the shell. It's funny. They have like the, they, they have just enough players. Like, ah, these guys are kind of good. But then they have these glaring holes <laughs> in the lineup that are like, oh, that's just enough to keep from winning. I don't know if you saw the Pakota projections came out today. Yeah, I did. And the Cubs are projected to win 80 and a half games. And uh, mm-hmm. it does feel right. I thought maybe yeah. even given the, the current, uh, the lack of, of, Obviously, they're aiding that because they don't have Cody. He's not projected in there. But that's, right. I don't. It's it's not a 500 team right now. The other guy I worry about 
I worry about Justin Steele just because he that's such a huge increase in innings from one year to the next. Like even if he sure. doesn't get hurt, you do expect that this is the season that he probably backslides a little bit and then hopefully in twenty five, you know, it's he's back closer to what he was. But it wouldn't surprise me. Um James Tyan showed right. up in uh uh average shape, which is uh, far better than what we saw last year. So that's a good sign. And then they have everybody's favorite new cub, Shota. It's funny. Um, when they signed him, I was very I was very underwhelmed by it, right? Like the the step down from Yamamoto to Shota is significant. Like, well he was the second best Japanese uh, pitcher. Yeah, but I mean there's a big difference between the two. And he's got some weird stuff. Like he's um, he doesn't throw hard, and he's short, and he pitches up, which is some teams were like really scared about that. And I was was worried about all that stuff. And then he shows up for his press conference, and he memorized like lines three through five of "Go Cubs Go" in English phonetically. And at the end of it, I'm like, I love this guy, and uh, he's my new favorite Cub. So he pandered directly to me, and it worked. So. I would kill for Shota Imanaga. So no one. Yeah, are you saying say he's? Are you saying he's like Imanaga. Japanese uh, Greg Hibbert? <laughs> oh, we can only hope. We can only hope. I uh, somebody tweeted at me. I was very good news that um, one of my other favorite Cubs of all time, uh, Rodrigo Lopez, is making a comeback. Ooh. Do you remember Rodrigo Lopez? Good old number fifty-nine. I, I, I guess I do. Um, here's why I liked Rodrigo. He, he he copied Greg Maddox's wind up and stretch exactly. And it really did look like him until the ball left his hand. Like he was like, Oh, look, it's Greg. Oh no, why I don't remember Greg giving up uh five hundred and sixty foot home runs. Um we called him Mexi Greggy. And uh, he's back. He's Unless it was know, Will Clark. He's gotta be forty. Yeah. Yeah. Well he faced Mexican Will Clark. <laughs> and gave up a, gave up a grand slam in a big game, and uh, but he's coming out of retirement, so I'd like to see the Cubs get in on that. Yeah. Um, did you hear the terrible news today about who they lost? They had to make a trade. Oh yeah. They traded uh, the great Michael. Michael oh, that's terrible. When um, when they signed Hector Neris, and people were trying to figure out who they were going to have to drop off the forty man. My only wish was one of the two um, mediocre middle relievers with the wispy mustaches go. It was either Mark Leiter Jr. or Michael Rucker. It was Michael Rucker. Um, I kind of thought they'd waive uh, Mark Leiter Jr. just because teams are so – he's on the waiver wire so much that I don't think teams even notice it anymore. Almost like <laughs> they think his name is just like burned into the screen – and they're like, wait, is that it? Is he actually on the waiver wire? Or is that just from always being in the same spot? And they just don't claim him. And then the Cubs get to keep him. But I don't I don't think that's how that works. He was pretty good last year against Lefty, so I can see he the was. value. He was. And I could see why they, since they don't seem to ever want to actually get a Lefty, um, I could see why they yeah. keep him. I do love the Hector Neris signing. Big Neris fan. I think they're. I think they're like one more legit arm away from having a pretty damn good bullpen. Like 
if they did make that trade for Classe, like they were talking about, they'd have a pretty good bullpen with yeah. him and um, Albert and uh, Neris. That's that's solid. Um, yeah, I'm of the. I still think what what the hell good is Carter Hawkins if we can't use him and his to schmooze the guys in Cleveland. Exactly. And you know, the, so here's the thing. I was I was getting to this, and I, I got I distracted myself. If if you don't sign Cody and you decide you don't want like Chapman's not really going to fill it, then what you're going to have to make a trade. And I'm honestly mm-hmm. surprised there haven't been more trades this off season. I thought that the because there's those ten ten teams that rely on their money from Sinclair, you know, the Diamond Sports Group or whatever. And they're having a, they're very uncertain about how much money they're going to get. Um, the Guardians are one of those teams, and the Guardians are cheap anyway, owned by a cheap family, uh, with my last name. And um, you know they don't know even I guess Amazon has put 165 million dollars in, and everyone's like, oh that's great. It's yeah, except uh, Diamond Sports Group has to pay out like almost a billion dollars <laughs> to these teams, so that's it helps, but that's not enough. Um, and I just, I get the feeling that as we get closer to the first actual payday, that some of these teams are going to like be like, ah, we're going to have to move some money. And there might be some pretty good players that are available that you wouldn't think would be available. And I, this is why I want Carter, the former Guardians uh, assistant GM, to uh, figure out how the Cubs can get uh, Emmanuel Classe and Jose Ramirez. That's all I, that's all I want. Just those two guys. Yeah, I'd actually, I'd be really happy with Bo Naylor, too. With Bo or with, um, you mean, that's catcher, right? Wait, yeah, Josh, Josh, Josh Naylor, sorry. No, that's right, they both, I mean, the brother's playing on the same team. Yeah, I think yeah. Josh. No, is- Naylor was the guy that they were talking about, you know, trading for, I, um, I was saying earlier in the season, or I'm sorry, earlier in the off season, that's the trade you make. You know, I'd rather do that necessarily than, you know, go spend big money in, in free agency, but they, um, you know, they obviously still are waiting out the Bellinger thing, but otherwise Naylor would be, uh, I think that'd be a really nice trade. Yeah. yeah I think Sahadov and I were talking about that, or even if they were to trade for, um, you know, Alcantara from uh, the Marlins, not Alcantara. I'm sorry. I'm having a moment here. Who's the um, the pitcher that was on the market? Mm. Well, they, Marlins have about Trevor. How about a Trevor Rogers? Oh yeah, sure. Because is Sandy Sandy Alcantara? He's hurt, right? Yeah. No, that's not the guy I was thinking of. It's, I'm sorry. It's Luzardo. I've been way too um, obsessed with the bear sweater lately that I've uh, forgotten all my baseball players' names. Yeah, I uh, my uh, my franchise in MLB The Show, um, Jesus Lazardo, uh, has been in the rotation for our for the Portland Beavers back to back World Series championships. So I'm there you I'm, go. A, I'm a fan. Uh, I also had a Cub Dynasty one year or franchise one uh, last year that where Josh Naylor hit three home runs in a playoff game. So, see, the Cubs should call me to get for scouting advice because I tell them. I was talking, yeah. yeah. 
yeah, all those, you, all you those guys. Do, Jed, just adjust the sliders, and it'll work fine. Yeah, and then there was some, so, there was the, like some Cardinal fan who purports to be an insider said that the, a couple of days ago that the Cubs and Marlins were heavy, heavily into trade talks. Yeah, I saw that. Somehow the Cubs will end up with Juan Pierre, I think. <laughs> yeah, that was, um, not, that was not a good time. But yeah, so we'll, um, you know, it'll be, it's, they don't play a real game for a month. No, two months, almost two months. So it is funny. We're all very, we're all very impatient. We're all yelling at Jed. Um, but there's a lot of teams that are just sitting and waiting. Everybody's kind of trying to wait out the market, I think. And at some point, and everybody's like, okay, when Shohei signs, that'll open things up. And it didn't. And then when uh, Imanaga signs, or when uh, Yamamoto signs, that'll, that'll, the log jam, will, that didn't work. You know, it's. Yeah. And um, so Jed at the Cub Convention and then Farhan Zidi at the Zidi, Zidi, Big Zidi, Farhan Zidi at at whatever the uh, Giants' uh, version of Cup Convention is. Um, both of them said that they wished baseball had a signing period in the offseason, a deadline. And yeah. Jed used the Shota signing. So the reason he signed when he signed is there was a deadline. He had to sign by that Friday, and he signed with us on Thursday, or whatever that was. Uh, and that all sounds great, but what happens after the deadline? I mean, what do you do with real free agents if you set this deadline in the middle of the offseason and they haven't signed? I don't get it. I don't know how you would. I don't know. I don't know what you would do. I don't know how you could set a deadline in a baseball offseason. So I agree. It would, we would get a flurry of activity, but then I don't know what the consequences are if, say, they say you got to sign by New Year's Day. And then on January second, you're not on a team. I mean, what do you gotta go? You gotta go play in the Mexican League for a year? I don't think that <laughs> that doesn't seem to be fair. So I don't think that's gonna happen. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it doesn't seem that long ago, like when we were kids, that all the deals were done at the winter meetings. Yeah, then it was done. You know, you had a few guys that would like hang on and get you know deals right before spring training that weren't very good, but all the all the good players were yeah, well, they were wrapped up. I mean, in the good and the no, I shouldn't say the good, the good old days for the owners, with the reserve clause, uh, guys were just you could just make them come back. Say like, no, you're still. The Cubs would tell Cody, nope, you're still a Cub. You got to come back. You didn't sign with anybody else. You're ours. And um, yeah, that's probably what Jed was pushing for. <laughs> yeah, that would work. No, I don't don't think that would work. Sorry. Uh, but we're gonna have plenty of time to kick the uh, to kick the Cubs around. Uh, the other big yeah. story that I'm already tired of, and we're only gonna get more tired of it just because this is one with a deadline, but the deadline is a long ways off. Mm-hmm. Is uh, the Bears have the number one pick in the draft? A draft is like April 26th or whatever, and uh, they have until that. Yes, they have until then, basically, to decide what are they going to do. Are they going to use the number one pick on, say, Caleb Williams from USC? Are they going to trade that number one pick and stick with Justin Fields? 
are they going to trade that number one pick and draft a different quarterback and still trade Justin Fields? Um, I thought it was enlightening. Um, you know, they had the senior bowl was last week. And so like the athletics sent a bunch of people down other people went down. And when, when Chicago writers talk to um, scouts and writers from other cities, um, they all seem they all seem to think it's a pretty easy decision for the Bears. All of them are like, no, you would you would trade Justin Fields and you would draft Caleb Williams. And uh, but up here, it's a much more heated argument. So I want to get your opinion. I'll tell you what my what I think is. Uh, why I think Bear fans are having such a hard time with this. And that is, every other Bear quarterback we've ever had, it's been very clear that they suck and they need to go away. And so we have a guy right now who it's not as clear and we just want to like cling to him like a life raft <laughs> yeah. and keep him forever. Um, so I, I don't know. Do you... Do you think similarly to that? I do, yeah, I do. I've been trying to figure that out. I think it's partly that. And he's he is a likable guy. He's a likable player. Plus, I think there's a little bit of, you know, the younger fans really gravitate towards the athleticism. And sometimes, you know, when you when you talk about talent, you think that's really what it boils down to. But you know, the quarterback position is a lot more than that. You know, it's it it's a guy's good like on xbox you know like there's a lot of young fans that think that that's how you you know that's how you win at that position but you know it's it's a lot less sexy sometimes and, and if you watch justin especially you know going back to when they drafted him like i knew what his warts were and we all you know if you paid attention you heard what they were and i wasn't like completely gung-ho about it but i was like hey at the time when they couldn't trade for russell wilson i was just excited that they were trying to do something to fix the position yeah you know and uh, yeah, and he had a lot of upside. So I figured, yeah, maybe they could you know, work out some of his kinks. But you know, three years later, some of it's gotten better, but it's still there. You know, he still doesn't throw. You know, he doesn't use the middle of the field. For as athletic as he is, and how gifted he is, he's very clunky. You know, when he's with his mechanics, and his um, his release is still really slow. And it's just when you when you flip it around and you look at Caleb on tape, and you know, I. Of course, like everybody else with more than 500 followers, I've watched, you know, all the all 22s and all that stuff. But no, all kidding aside, like, you know, I've watched a lot of breakdowns and I've watched his, a lot of his games. You see it, you know, you see he, he can do some of the athleticism stuff that Justin can do too, but you see how he works in the middle of the field. You see how he fights to stay in the pocket. He just has better instincts, got a quick release. He's like quick twitch, you know, and when you, you think about that, like when you used to watch like Javi, Javi was, you know, a quick twitch player. That's what Caleb is. It's all, it's a lot of instinct and it's a lot of quick twitch. And it's really different than, than when you're watching Justin in that regard. And I hear a lot of people say like, oh, they have similar makeups and similar problems, but that's not really true. You know, it's, I mean, yes, he holds the ball too long, but, and fumbles the ball, but that a lot of, a lot of that comes from him trying to do too much and play hero ball at times. You know, USC was not very good last year, so yeah. I think he tried to, you know, do too much. But yeah, getting back to what you were saying, yeah, Jay Cutler really 
I think spooked the hell out of a lot of people well, to the point where it's like, okay, we're not, we're done. We're done trying to pin our hopes on, on a quarterback that looks like he could be that great. You know, they'd rather have the lower floor and, um, or the higher floor rather. So, um, yeah, Cutler, you know, he, he just completely looked the part and I, I'd never been more excited than the day that they traded for him. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you have to take another swing. And there are just so many reasons why I think Poles is going to draft Caleb. And we can get into the whole you know, Washington thing. But at the end of the day, I think he's you know, he's holding all the cards. And unless he's playing it really, you know, if he, unless he's got really something up his sleeve, I, I think that that's, that's the way he's going to go. Yeah, I, you know, it's funny. I, I really like Justin. Um, and I'm during our weekly bear podcast, we talk about it a lot about how wh- some of the stuff he does is so cool. You know, it just mm-hmm. looks cool. Like, um, and so I think you're all, you, when you see him do something positive, you're like, Oh, there it is. Now he just needs to do that over and over and over again. <laughs> and it's true. If he did, he would be a very good player. And it's really hard to do that. And um, I was kind of teetering on the fence until the second Packer game um, as to, well, I mean, you've already got three years invested in him and, you know, he had played well against like, um, against Atlanta and he played okay mm-hmm. against Arizona. And you think, all right, well, he played much better after his injury than he did before his injury. And so, okay, well, this is progress, right? But the Packer game, it's not so much, it was, it, this was not production-based. Basically, just watching the game, you watch the speed at which Jordan Love played the game at and the speed at which Justin played the game at. And it's, it's like they're playing a different sport. That's um, what I'm talking about. For, the, for Justin is most likely the fastest quarterback in the NFL. I mean, he's... Mm-hmm. But that's all. That's the only thing he does fast is run. You know, yeah. he, dro- he drops back slow. His motion is slow. Everything is very deliberate, and um, and you're right. They talked about um, after the season was over about why don't the why do the Bears ever run slants? And the answer was Justin wouldn't throw them, so they didn't run them. <laughs> and they would try to compensate for that with all those ridiculous wide receiver screens. And then the problem because they they needed some plays that it was just like three steps and throw it. You have one read, throw it. And in most offenses, that's a slant. It's you get, you know, and, but Justin didn't like to throw those. And so they, but if you run wide receiver screens and you don't run slants, the, uh, the linebackers could cheat or the nickelback could cheat to the screen because they know you can leave the middle of the field open. And it's just little stuff like that. Um, It was funny when Luke Getze first started getting interviews after the season, I was of the impression it was the same reason that the Bears um, brought in um, what's his name? Why Cliff. am I blanking? Yeah, on... Cliff Kingsbury. Yes, Cliff yeah. Kingsbury. Yeah. I was going to call him mm-hmm. Kurt Kingsbury. <laughs> Cliff. <laughs> the I, you can't convince me that the hour that the two hours they spent with Cliff weren't just two hours of them asking him questions about Caleb Williams. And I think a lot of the teams who brought Luke in, it was two hours of them asking him questions about Justin Fields. So they could decide if, as they try to figure out if they were going to try to trade for him or not. Um, 
And then Luke gets a job, which cracked me up. <laughs> the Raiders are like, that's the guy we want. We want that guy. Which is funny because the Raiders seem like a prime. If the Bears are going to trade Justin, the Raiders seem like one of those teams that might be interested. Yeah. Right. And even if Luke and Justin have a good relationship, neither one of those guys should want that. Right? Like, if you're going to get a fresh start, you want a fresh start. If Justin's going to yeah. go start, play for another team, he doesn't want Luke Getzey. And if Luke is going to get his second chance as offensive coordinator, he doesn't want Justin Fields. It's like, if I'm going to, if both guys, if I'm going to fail, I'm, I want things to be different. So I want to really know I failed. It's not I just got hooked up with this guy again, and we both, you know, we wrestled each other and we drowned. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if it was out there very much, but I did see a report um, from a Vegas beat writer today talking about uh, Getsy basically throwing Eberflus under the bus in the scenario in, instead of Justin. He was saying, look, I knew that I didn't put Justin in the best position at all times, but we were trying to force him to grow, and that was by you know the, the command of Eberflus. Like Eberflus said, no, we, we need to get him you know, to improve in the passing game. Yeah. And, and, and basically, yeah, uh, Getsy was more or less saying, I would have been able to curtail my offense better on Justin if that's what we wanted to do. But he was gave me my marching orders. So he kind of threw um, Eberflus under the bus more so than Fields. Or at least publicly, that's what came out. Yeah. So if Eberflus really did that, yeah, I, this is what I will say about it. I agree with Matt Eberflus 100%. Because you had to find out to, what you, you had. Do it. Right, you have to, right. You can't limp along. This was this whole idea. This is so very Bears, right? Well, we could probably win seven or eight games if we just, uh, well, I guess they didn't win seven games. We could win eight or nine games if we just uh, run the ball 45 times. <laughs> it's like, are you trying to win a Super Bowl eventually or not? Because if you are, right. you can't win one that way. You've got to find out what you have. And if, if the evaluation this third year for Justin was, can he run the kind of offense we're going to need him to run so we can go win a Super Bowl? He had to throw the ball. And people were mad at the beginning of the season because they cut out a lot of the quarterback runs and stuff. And I remember thinking going into the season that if I were in charge, I would do that too for a couple of reasons. Number mm-hmm. one, he's got to prove he could pass. But number two, you're also you're going to kill him. Right. Um, you know, this this whole idea that you could just, well, why don't they just run Justin like 20 times a game? <laughs> it's like because you're going to have him for nine games a season, then, and he's going to be in traction for the other eight. You can't play that position that way. You just, you can't. If he could, then yeah, he probably would be really good. But it's not how it works. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah so you hit now, the nail on the head with Jordan Love, you know, in the last Green Bay game. That was it for a lot of people. Yeah, that was, I mean, it just was, yeah. I was and saying, it's funny. I was saying running, my life. They were running similar offenses. You know, even mm-hmm. Getsy did have to, um, you know, it wasn't until the bye in his first year, right before that Patriots game, that they put a lot of runs in for Justin. They were trying to have him run the Packer offense, and it wasn't going very well. And then they put that in, and they were at least functional after that. But they've been trying mm-hmm. to get back to more of the, of that offense and um, they're running similar offenses, but they're running it in different ways. And the, um, the Packers offensive line was better than the bears offensive line in that game, but they're still, um, the bears still were getting pressure on love. Love was just getting rid of the ball a lot faster. And 
just more decisive. Everything was quicker. He'd see something, he would just throw it instead of, oh, that guy's that guy looks like he might be getting open. Let me see. It's like, no, if you have to wait, you know, it's just it's not gonna happen. Um, you know, I hope. That's the other thing. The thing we argued about a lot about on our Bear podcast was this idea that if the Bears, it was clear they're going to get the number one pick, then this all comes into play. If the Panthers had won five or six games, the the Bears are probably going to go, stick with Justin Fields because the reason you can do this is you can you can. Um, it's easy to foresee that you can upgrade this position. You know, Justin is, he, Justin is talented enough and has had enough production that he should be starting in the NFL for somebody. Right. Right. You know, he's not, this is not, we've, we're bear fans. We know what bad quarterbacks look like. He's not a bad quarterback. The question is, is he good enough? And my answer would be no, not for what you really need. So you should right. move on from them. You have a chance to get Caleb Williams if you were picking, and maybe you could convince yourself if you were picking second that you know Drake May is is an upgrade over Justin. Once you get away from those guys, and I don't know, you know, I don't know how Jaden Daniels, um, you know, how he projects in the NFL, but once you get farther down, then it's like, okay, we can't we can't upgrade, we can't confidently upgrade. You know, you can't sell me on JJ McCarthy or. Uh, I like to call him Michael Penix because it's more fun than Penix <laughs> uh, or Bo Nix. You can't convince me that they're ever going to be as good as Justin. So I would stick with Justin. But that's not the situation the Bears find themselves in. They find themselves with that first pick um, where you could take a guy who has the traits that Justin lacks. Like, you know, I'm no quarterback expert, but when you watch Caleb Williams play, it is impossible not to be impressed by – he has a ridiculous arm. Yeah. Like he can make throws to every part of the field. He puts the ball right on dudes. He turns and sees a guy and the ball is out of there and it's right where it's supposed to be. Um, and yes, he had, he did not have as good a junior year as he had a sophomore year. Um, a big part of that was that the um, USC's offensive line was, was good. Not great. His sophomore year, it was bad. His senior year, he had better weapons when he was, a, when he was a sophomore than when he was a junior. But the biggest problem, I think, with the USC last year was their defense was terrible. Mm-hmm. And they went into games thinking they had to score 40 points to win. And they basically felt like they had to score on almost every possession. And it changes the way you play that position to where you take a lot more chances and you try to get bigger chunk plays and you're holding the ball more and it things don't look as good. But when you look at his numbers at the end of the year, they're still really good. So... You'd have a hard time talking me yeah. out of it. To me, if people are like, well, you can't guarantee he'll be good. No, we can't. I just think it's worth the shot. I mean, we waited our whole, as Bear fans, we had our whole lives for them to have a chance to get a generational quarterback. Yeah. Now, getting the chance to get one and getting one are not the same thing, but if you don't take the chance, you're not going to get one. Right. And I still think his floor is high enough to where even if you were to say that he and Justin would be on a level playing field, you still reset the clock and and do this because just because of the upside alone, yeah. you I know, would, but at the same time, I still feel like Caleb would come in day one yeah. and be better. I agree. Sorry, I think but, if, if your goal is, if people are like, well, I thought they were going to try to be a playoff team next year. I think they have 
at, they have no worse chance of being a playoff team with Caleb as their quarterback as they do with Justin as a quarterback next year. Yeah, yeah. So you're not hurting. I think, your, you're not hurting your chances at all. Right, and I still think I still think that this situation is is good, if not better, than what uh, Stroud walked into at Houston. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the ironically the Bears, this franchise that is a quarterback graveyard, mm-hmm. because this is not their pick. You know, they didn't go one and sixteen or two and I guess two and fifteen. You know, they have a re- they have what turned out by the end of the season to be a legitimately good defense. They have one of the yeah. best running games in the NFL. They've done a tremendous amount to improve their offensive line. They still need a center, and I think they still could use an upgrade at left tackle. But you know, Braxton is at least serviceable. Right. They agree. have a really good. They have they have a legitimate number one wide receiver, which they hardly ever have. They have a real yep. NFL tight end. You come in and you're not. This is not a typical rookie going to a terrible team where he's just going to get his brains beat in. You actually nope. can, and that's why I know we want to talk about this about um, if so if you're if if there are people out there who think Caleb is somehow going to pull some big power move and he's going to maneuver his way to the Commanders. Well, you go to the Commanders, you really are going to go to a team that doesn't have squat. You have Terry McLaurin, and that's about it. And if you want to see how hard it can be for a rookie quarterback, go to Washington and play for them. Don't don't come play for the Bears where you actually can have a leg up when you get started. Right, and then you, and then you add into what they're going to have to give the Bears to, to move up. That's going to you know handcuff them a little bit. Yeah. Oh, and I know there will be guys who are like, well, if the Commanders really want Caleb, why won't you do this? Um, so you swap first round picks with them. You get you get their second round pick, and then you get next year's number one, and then you take you either keep Justin and you take Marvin Harrison at two. No. And you, get, you can get your center in the second round. Or you take Drake May, and you do, it's because the reason the commanders would be willing to give that up is because they want Caleb Williams, which should tell right. you something. Here's the other thing that's really going to freak out Bear fans. When the Bears go to trade Justin, they're not going to get a lot for him. You know what? I, I've been saying that, and I've just been a little worried about it because at first when it came out that they can get a two and a four, kind of like they, the Jets got uh, from Darnold, I was like, okay, that makes sense. However... Now we're talking about how many teams are really going to be in on right. him. But Schefter was on with, with Waddle and Sylvie this afternoon on the drive home. I listened to it. He's saying not only does he guarantee, does he almost guarantee they're going to get a second rounder, but he thinks they can still get a, a future first or even a late first. And I, I don't see that would be great. I don't I just, see I can't it, imagine but that, yeah, God I can't bless. imagine that market is out there. I guess we'll know. Like, Justin's market will come into focus after free agents, after the first few days of free agency. Because then you'll see, like, yeah. did Kirk Cousins change teams? You know, just these kind of these kind of good quarterbacks. Teams are going to be left without a seat. They're not going to have they're not going to have a quarterback they really like, and they're not going to have a high enough draft pick to take one of the good quarterbacks. And then they're going to be the ones who are like, what about Justin Fields? And you only need one team to talk themselves into it. What would be great is if you have two teams that think he would. And then they, then you can kind of drive that price up, right? That's what Schefter said. All you need is at least two teams. But I mean, I think there's like, every it was easy to like draw the line to like Atlanta. He's from Atlanta, mm-hmm. you know. They've got they've got good weapons, um, and there were people like, oh, he'd be perfect in Arthur Smith's offense. Well, then they fired Arthur Smith. Uh, well, Arthur's going to Pittsburgh, so they just trade him to Pittsburgh. It, that doesn't that that doesn't feel like a Pittsburgh trade to me. Um, Pit, the, uh, the Pittsburgh move for me would be 
Justin goes somewhere else this year, and then the team decides they don't want to pick up that fifth-year option, and then that's when the Steelers go get him for nothing. And then they try to see mm-hmm. if they can turn him into their quarterback. Uh, and then yeah. the, and the Raiders were a team that was like, there you go, that's perfect. Well, now they got Getzy, and I just I can't imagine that he's going to want to like you know do it again. Maybe he does. Maybe he's maybe he's one hundred percent convinced that you know that they're going to run some nineteen seventies offense. <laughs> just it's going to be perfect, and it's going to be great. Uh, I just I worry that the return is not going to be what people expect. Um, no. I'm, I'm, worried, I'm almost with all with player trades in the NFL almost always like that's all they got. That's it's almost always the reaction, mm-hmm. and there's a reason for that. These teams value their draft picks so much. Yeah, um, and and you look at this draft, and regardless of how many of these guys, we don't know how good or bad they can be. Like Bo Nix, someone's gonna get antsy and and would rather draft a quarterback like that. Than to have you know Justin's fifth year option staring you in the face once you once you make that trade. Yeah, I mean that's you have to factor in he's 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 inexpensive this year he's six point mm-hmm. something, but then he's at least twenty it's at least twenty two million dollars in year five and if you pick up the fifth year option you really have decided you're going to stick with him, and now you're going to have to pay. So here's a good there's this should put things in context for people like Jared Goff who's a good quarterback right. Mm-hmm. He already he makes thirty five million dollars now. He's in the last guaranteed year, he, the last year of guaranteed money. So the Lions are going to have to work out a new deal with him, and they're talking about how it's going to cost them fifty million dollars a year for Jared Goff. Yeah. So if you think you're going to get Justin for like twenty, you're not. I mean, he's not going to get fifty, but you're going to have to pay that guy thirty million dollars a year. For sure. And so if you're looking at oh, yeah. we think he might be okay, or, yeah, you're right, you could take a second-round pick and you can draft Bo Nix, and you could pay him, you know, $2.4 million and have him for longer. You're probably, you probably What they do is they'll talk themselves into that. Like, well, let's just That's what I'm saying. Let's just do that. Why would we want to take the risk? Let somebody else take the risk on Justin. and um, But we'll see. I mean, what the hell Yeah, but all, all, all it takes is one guy to fall in love with him, yeah. like you were saying. Yeah, it's just... It could it could happen, but yeah, I don't I don't see the the first round pick that Schefter was talking about. But you never know with conditional picks. Who knows? Maybe. But either way, I think he will get traded. Probably right around like you were saying the start of free agency. So maybe maybe even at the very very end of February to the first couple of weeks of March. Yeah. And then yeah, people are gonna. I think yeah, people I, on Twitter are starting to accept that he's he's going to get traded, but. Yeah, you never ever know, but I would be shocked if he's not. No, because I don't. And the even the know. Caleb thing, yeah, the Caleb thing. It sounds like a lot of the the talk from his camp and a lot of the maneuvering is coming from the dad. You know, all the that's what Schefter was saying today. To do it was either Schefter or um, uh, I'm sorry, what's his name? Uh, Albert Breer. Yeah, he's just saying like that's just that's just his dad. You know, he just he's looking out for his kid but at the same time he's a little too outspoken so but yeah if the washington thing comes about i think polls will have a decision to make but i i kind of feel like polls will also stare him down and be like no we're drafting yeah i mean because right so there's this thought that because um he's from dc or the area and then cliff kingsbury was like this weird hybrid like consultant quarterback consultant for usc last year and they apparently hit it off that he's somehow going to force him his way to Washington. <laughs> it just it doesn't work that way. I mean, 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the the days of even Eli Manning forcing himself to the Giants. I mean, the players don't even have that much leverage anymore. Because yeah. you need and that to hurry was the Manning and, family. Yeah, and you need to hurry up and get to your second contract. If you're, a, you know, even if it's the number one overall pick, you're going to make decent money, but you're really going to cash in in the second contract. So you're not going to, you can't sit out, which is what the Bears could make him do. I mean, you know, we could have the, yeah. we could just go all Tyson Bajan all the time next year. Uh, that probably won't. That probably won't happen. And one of the things about it, you know, the the financial piece, I always hesitate to talk financial stuff with the Bears because people yeah. are convinced that they're just cheap. Um, I will remind them that when they signed Khalil Mack, they gave him the biggest contract a defensive player in the NFL had ever had. And then their, the, yeah. the contract session to Jay Cutler was recklessly bad. <laughs> they gave Jay yeah. all kinds of money. And it's like, how did we decide that Jay wasn't that good? No. But uh, it, they... They will spend money. And I've talked about it before. And I remember this crap and on the Bear podcast. People used to say the Bears were cheap, and they were right. There was a time when the Bears were this mom and pop. They were making all their money off the team, and money wasn't – cash flow wasn't great. And they did have a hard time, you know, parting with cash. But then it's been 25 years now. Once Fox paid big money for the TV package and the TV money started pouring in, the Bears are they're rolling in dough. They'll spend it. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. But where money does come into this is that most teams are paying their starting quarterback about twenty million dollars a year and their backup about ten. The mm-hmm. Bears, if they have Caleb Williams and Tyson Bajant, will be paying a little over six for their quarterback, for both their court for the first and second string quarterbacks, meaning that they've got an extra $25 million or so to spend on other positions. Yep. And it does factor in them. You're like, well, you, but you could get all these draft picks or you also can, you, you know, you don't have to trade that pick and get draft picks. You can use your cap money and sign players. There are other ways to round out your roster. Yes. They're in a great position. Well, and I love that whole argument, too, where it's like either you draft Caleb or you build a super team around Justin. It's like you can build around Caleb, too, because, A, yeah, like you said, the rookie contracts can allow him to keep Jalen Johnson and, and spend a little bit more money in free agency. But at the same time, they've still got the number nine pick. They can draft a wide receiver, a tight end, an offensive lineman, and you still have a lot of cap space. So they're going to be able to do both. And when you get these picks back, you're not getting them all in one year. They're not going to just draft draft, you know, these players. You know, they're it's going to be spread out. So it's not you're not going to like build this, you know, super team. Everybody keeps thinking they're going to have, and I don't even know how that's working out for you know. Last year, Philadelphia was the, uh, you know, the flavor of the year. Talking about building around Jalen Hurts, but you know, they're they're looking pretty old and expensive right now. Yeah. Well, and they were. I think if Brock Purdy doesn't tear his UCL in the championship game, the Eagles don't go to the Super Bowl. And then you can look at the, at the the other team that's built the super team, the Niners, and there's yeah. a very good chance that um, that super team is going to go is in their second Super Bowl in five years are going to get beaten by the team that has the elite quarterback. Right. Um, and they might, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they try to replace Purdy if he doesn't have a good a good Super Bowl. I mean, the easiest thing in the world to do is to build a team around a. Actually, that's the easiest, but it's easier to build a good team around a great quarterback if you can somehow get a hold of one than it is to try to cover for a mediocre quarterback 
because at some point in those big games, that guy has to make a series of plays and he's either able to do it or he's not. Um, and just for once in my life, I would like for the Bears to have the guy who has the legit chance to make those plays instead of... Yeah, I, I want to see how that works. Yeah, and <laughs> honestly, one. to me, it's completely worth it, even if it doesn't work. You shoot your shot. You you have the, you have the number you. one pick in a draft with a guy who could be a great NFL quarterback. Do it. I mean, if your goal is to win a Super Bowl, you're not going to win one with the guy you got. So I don't see what the risk is. Yeah, and and you look at you know guys like, you know Mahomes is obviously still going to own the league for a while, but then you look at guys like Jordan Love and, and C.J. Stroud; these guys are just going to start coming on. You need to be able to compete yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah, you can't be. Well, we're in a big playoff game, and our strategy is we're going to uh, uh, we're going to run for two hundred and nine yards. <laughs> All right, well. <laughs> We're going. Yeah, yeah. We're all going to work on Monday, pissed because it's not going to work. Yep. I'm sorry, but yeah, Jordan Love is right there in our own division. He's going to be a problem. He is really good. All right. Well, that sounds good. Well, thank you, Tom. I appreciate this. I think. Uh, yeah. Thanks for having me. Many of us have herpes. I don't know. What's up, yours? <laughs> 